your regularly scheduled program to bring you this John Pod News Team exclusive, COVID Chronicles, America in Lockdown. We send you now to the John Pod Studios and your host, Dustin Jones. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning around the country, around the world. I am your host of Just Another White Guys podcast, Dustin Jones, and we are here with a very special edition of the program. This is COVID Chronicles. I am happy to be joined today by a longtime close personal friend, Josh Mink. He has been on the show before. He's back again to get the ball rolling and do... uh, we're going to really delve in to the minutia of COVID-19. We want to get down in the dirt. No, no, we're not really going to do that. I know it said it was a breaking news uh, special report. We're not going to, it's not going to be super serious. You know what to expect from this damn show. We're just going to keep it fun. We're going to talk about COVID, but hopefully we'll talk about it in a way that is interesting and a little bit lighthearted. You know that there's a 100% chance that I'm going to yell at Trump at some point in this uh, podcast. So uh, if you don't like that, you can turn it off. I understand, but uh, we're going to have some fun. So, Josh, welcome back to the show, sir. It's awesome to be back, Dustin. So, uh, of course, for those that may not know, Josh, you work in the uh, education field. So uh, just that alone has drastically changed in the last uh, weeks and months. So we'll talk about that. And uh, you've also, since since you were last on the show, you have gone from one school to another because previously you were in Wyoming and now you are back in God's country, Oregon. You've returned to the promised land, the great state of Oregon, even though you're, yeah, even yeah. Though you're barely in Oregon, but you are in Oregon. <laughs> yeah, people here like to say we're Idaho West. Um, out here County being still in the mountain time zone, um, we're kind of out here on the fringes of the Oregon society frontier. <laughs> yeah. I said that. Yeah, I'm I don't just joking. Know, I, I don't think that we are uh, anywhere close to what the Valley would be. Um, and what has, it has drastically changed from when you and I grew up, the Valley was always a Valley, but it's much different than what you and I remember. Yeah. I, every time, every time I drive through Portland, I'm like, I don't remember that. I don't remember that. I don't remember that. Yeah, and it yep. just keeps going as you go down I five. Some of it, <laughs> yeah, exactly. some of it is progress for the good. Some of it is maybe progress for the not so good. Right, right, right. That's to be uh, absolutely. That's to be left for the for the eye of the beholder. I would say, but it's also interesting because Oregon could pretty could pretty reliably be counted on to be you know fairly uh, Democrat leaning. Now there's a portion of uh, Oregon that is staunchly the bluest of blue and then once you get kind of outside of Portland things are shades of red that weren't always there before you know that's absolutely correct yeah yeah especially uh you know we had an interesting sense of that when we were growing up because you know we lived in a small logging community and you know it seemed like a lot of the the people that we were around were were liberal in every sense except for logging. Like right. they were good right. with well, everything else, but just let us cut down trees. 
Well, and now we now we see why that's important. Everybody's going to run out of toilet paper. Exactly. You know, <laughs> we we've been saying this for twenty years, Dustin. Even what longer. are you going to wipe with? Even <laughs> yeah, maybe thirty years, thirty-five years. Um, Dude, we are old. It's so weird to think. Yeah, it's so weird to think about. We're I, like, ah, oh, it was twenty years ago. Except twenty years no. ago was the year two thousand. You and I were both long out of high school at that point. <laughs> Yeah, no, young in the mind, young in the mind. The, uh, but no, yeah, it, growing up, you know, I feel like, um, I feel like our little community we were in was a lot like where I was at in Wyoming. Wyoming's red, but I would say most of the people in Wyoming are more libertarian than they are Republican. Right. You know, um, you do your thing, I'll do my thing. Um, leave each as long as you're not hurting anybody, we don't care what you do. Um, you would be you would be shocked, and I think most people would be shocked at the amount of people in who in Wyoming who participate in extracurriculars that maybe Oregon, Washington, California have legalized, but it is a <laughs> not legal in Wyoming. <laughs> no, you don't say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so that I mean, to me, that just goes to show like how maybe open people are to different things. Right. Um, you know, plenty of, plenty of people I knew in Wyoming, um, that were in the LGBTQ community, um, and nobody cared. Right. Whereas you would think that's exact opposite, um, just by the stereotypes. But, um, and I think it was very similar growing up where we were, right. There was very conservative things that people were passionate about, such as don't let us not cut trees down, but, also very open about a lot of other things. Yeah, for sure. You know, you just had to cruise up the road uh, to the old Brighton Bush Hot Springs, and uh, you see a whole different world up there. <laughs> yeah, the, the, yeah. A lot of a lot of world you didn't want to see, believe me. Yeah, I, uh, yes, yes, yeah. I, I, I very distinctly remember going, uh, my dad and my stepmom were very into uh, the, uh, the springs, and um, uh-huh. what was... When we would have been in high school, what was that big comet that was going through? Um, oh, jeez. Uh, there was the uh, – it was that thing where um, – Nick, do you know what I'm talking about? What, what was the name of that comet that came through like, in, like when I would have been in high school? Not Haley's Comet. That was when I was a kid. Oh, the Hale-Bob Comet. <laughs> The hail bob. Oh, the hail bob. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. we were we were at the hot springs. So you're out in the middle of nowhere in the hot springs, and like you could see the comet like going across the sky, which was really cool. The problem was I had to see a 65 year old man's ball sack while I was <laughs> seeing what was happening. Yeah, yeah. Nikki only heard. Yeah, the, Nikki certain... only heard the second half of that conversation, so she's very weirded <laughs> out by what I was just saying. <laughs> the. Uh... Yeah, there's a lot of places in Oregon that you can't unsee things. Yes, that is very true. <laughs> well, speaking of Oregon, I would be remiss if I didn't mention this in the podcast. Um, I know a lot of people that are listening uh, remember uh, listening to episodes of this podcast with my sister, Heather. Um, we just passed uh, one year that Heather passed away. And we haven't really talked about that too much on the podcast. I'm trying to figure out a way to 
do a podcast to honor her and talk about it and stuff like that. But we're a year out and uh, I just, you know, wanted to, you know, make a point of talking about that in amidst all of this chaos. Uh, It's one of those things where I wonder what my sister would be doing amidst this because she was such a happy, smiling person and, you know, what she would have been doing to try to help all the little kids that she uh, took care of and how this would have affected her. Now, of course, had she not passed away, she may have still been undergoing uh, cancer treatment, in which case she would be very high risk uh, with all this nonsense that's going on. But anyway, I just wanted to say that uh, a, a continual uh, and heartfelt thank you to everyone that's that's reached out and, and said nice things about my sister uh, over the last year and all the people that posted pictures and stuff on social media. Uh, it was It was really great to see. So thank you for that. And uh, in the coming weeks... Well, I'm, I'm trying to figure out a way to do it that uh, I won't cry the whole way through. <laughs> so, um, But we'll yeah. have that coming yeah. up in future weeks. Um, but as we we're in this pandemic and we're two months in basically from the first warnings and just yeah. now our federal government seems to finally be under the realization that this shit is serious. I think there were certainly different parts of our federal government that were taking it seriously. Dr. Fauci, of course, was trying to get people to understand how important this was. But uh, our president would stand up and have his little, uh, you know, rallies, essentially, because he couldn't go out and barnstorm the country and get his praise. He had to go on TV and, and talk to the people. But we're in a position now where we're two months in and things are starting to look really really dark and we're in a position where they have now moved the goalposts from we think this is a hoax to we'll now have done a good job if only a hundred thousand people die um (laughs) yeah yeah. so first before we get too deep into that the the changes that you've seen just from um from your job perspective in terms of the education system how has this drastically how has the drastic change for you guys uh, rippled through the uh, student body? It, it's it's been an interesting couple of weeks. Um, you know, Oregon <clears throat> Oregon kind of threw out some different moving targets right before spring break, and then um, we've been kind of frantically trying to play catch up since then. As um, this is educators across the state, and nobody nobody plans for these things. We've got to go for forward the best that we know how. Um, and hopefully, I, I mean, we're fortunate in the district that I'm at, at least for the high school kids that we've got one-to-one Chromebook ratio. Every kid has a Chromebook. Oh, okay. Um, the, the issue is though, do they have internet access? Right. And, and, and how do you, how do you monitor it? If they do, how do you do attendance? Can you, hold them accountable, right? There's a lot of these other, um, I mean, just the questions can, we could sit here and just make a list of questions for the entire two hours. Right. Um, but I think, I think what's, what's really cool is educators, including myself, and I'm in the athletic part of it. I'm not even in the classroom part of it. So my world as important as it is and awesome as it is really is meaningless in all this. Right. I mean, we want kids to participate. We want them to exercise. And there's a lot of, um, 
there's a lot of benefit to it, but in the end, kids being safe and actually getting their education somehow is way beyond what I do. Um, and so trying to, for me to think about those sorts of things and how do I incorporate kind of into this online learning situation, um, I've, I've reached out to a lot of colleagues across the country. Hey, what are you guys doing in Colorado? What are you doing in Oregon? What are you doing in the Valley? What are you doing in Wyoming even? Um, and so it's been an interesting journey with uh, my educator friends to try to just figure it out. A lot of just long phone conversations about what people are doing, why they're doing it, how are they adapting? Um, and Honestly, I guess the lemonade out of it is there's a lot of really cool ideas. Everybody's got all these different ideas and everything's really cool. And so um, it'll be interesting to see how we transform back into what a brick and mortar school looks like after this. What does education actually look like? One of my friends um, was comparing it to like 9-11, right? And not that it may be, I don't know, but their point was, is look how drastically nine 11 changed how we think about Homeland security, right? How drastically will our lives change after this, especially in the education world. And what does that look like? We don't know. Well, and and from an outsider perspective, one of the things that I struggle with, with in terms of the education system, and of course I don't have kids, so I'm not like in the thick of this, but I feel like the education system is kind of set up for a one way to teach pro like a way of thinking like this is the way we teach and the students have to adapt. Maybe this could be an opportunity to figure out how the students uh, learn and teach accordingly. I feel like that is a path that we need to adjust uh, going forward because to just that's why I hate these standardized tests because had we had standardized testing as the barometric uh, or as the barometer for uh, where we graduated, I would have done even worse than I already did. Shout out to me. Had a terrible GPA because I didn't apply myself. Not because I'm not smart, right. but because I didn't apply myself. Right. And I would have I done I would have done even worse on the test. So like a test doesn't tell you everything about how intelligent a person is. All a test tells you is how well someone can take a test. Right. So well, I agree. Do you and think do you think there would be some sort of opportunity especially for like a progressive school district or a pro- progressive school in terms of not in terms of what they teach but in terms of how they think about teaching could use this as an opportunity to you know find new and better ways to teach kids. Oh, I think so. I think this, like I said, I think that um, this is going to create a whole new uh, perspective on what education can be. I mean, if we think about education uh, just over time, it's probably been the slowest to adapt to things, right? Where, um, you know, just in the last probably 10 years is where um, people have said, hey, we should teach in groups and we should (laughs) do these collaborative things. And that's what businesses are looking for. And and things like that. And it's, it's kind of been businesses have always been looking for that. Why wouldn't you have not wanted to collaborate right. throughout time? Right. And, and I think education was set up in a way cause it was, 
you went to school at seven in the morning, you got done at three in the afternoon and it was for setting up people to go into the workforce. And what that workforce looked like was either farms or factories right. overall, right? Up until modern, when you and I were in school, for the most part is when, you know, you got the digital age and you got computers and, and the internet. And that's when things changed. And that should have been when education took a huge shift because the resources and the tools were there and it didn't, it kind of stayed stagnant in my opinion, at least, and kept with kind of the traditional, um, this is how we teach, like you were talking about, right? right. Like and this also, is just and how also, we do it. In terms of the calendar, like most school calendars are like based on like an agrarian calendar where like, why, why does a, why does a school in Portland, Oregon need to get out of school just for the summertime? You know, why not, you know, shift when people are out of school? Like, you can make these adjustments. Like, the school year, I mean, kids wouldn't love to hear this, but the school year should probably be longer. Like, these huge breaks in between learning, especially for younger kids where they may not retain the knowledge as well if they're out, you know, if they go but for three months, um, especially if they're not in a situation where they're being nurtured and being, you know, we live in a world now where, almost every family is either a single parent family or most definitely is a is a family where both parents are working so on those summers where people where kids are off for 3 months you know are they being encouraged to learn are they being encouraged to continue you know anything that they would carry over from grade to grade so why is a 3 month break in the summer a good idea just because we've always done it. And this is something I think that America as a whole and maybe human beings uh, in general, something that we are very poor at adapting to is when something is working, just being like, well, this is how we've always done it and it's worked or it, or we've talked ourselves into that it's working and we just don't change it. Like why, why are we still teaching kids on a calendar based on kids needing to go help on the farm in the summertime and the harvest time. Like, it's just stupid. Right. No, I would agree. I mean, maybe in communities like that, you know, like I'm in or, you know, rural yeah, communities. Exactly. The There's Valley, exceptions. Maybe. <clears throat> right. But like, think about like the Southwest, the desert Southwest, the Southwest or like LA. Right. Why would you not want to be in an air conditioned building during the summer? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, or like Las Vegas, right? It was 120 degrees. Why would you not just want to be inside? Well, I and think, if you're going to be inside, I, then you might as well be learning. <laughs> I think it, if I'm correct, because I, I do have some friends down in Arizona, but I feel like they basically have year-round school. They have like, you know, they'll they'll do a you know a semester and then they'll take a couple weeks off, versus like the three months. Like we, the whole like make America great again, all this bullshit. This is not a new thing. This didn't start with Trump. Like we're, we don't, in terms of education, we don't lead the world in anything other than student debt. Yeah. So yeah, like, correct. And all these, all these countries that have higher reading, high, higher reading levels, higher literacy rates, better testing in math and science and, the arts and all this stuff, all these countries go to school for way longer during the year than American kids do. 
Yeah, no, when I taught overseas, it was year-round. So we were in school year-round. We just had more breaks right throughout the year. So for Christmas was two weeks. For um, whatever, you know, Lunar New Year or whatever the New Year was, was two weeks. Spring break was two weeks. Summer break was two weeks. It ended up being the same amount of time out of school. It was just spread out over all 12 months. Well, and you talked about how uh, companies are looking for kids. First of all, why the fuck are we teaching kids based on what companies want? That should be the furthest fucking thing from anyone's mind. <laughs> develop these kids and develop their educations so they can be intelligent, rational thinking human beings instead of us just turning out more corporate drones, which is what they fucking want. Don't think yeah, for yourself. Just do what you're told. Um, but... If you are educating people based on what corporations want, like that's just it's so depressing. Like why like as soon as you said that, I wanted to throw something. Like we why are we not teaching kids life skills? Why are we not teaching kids fundamentals in like when we we were so lucky in the school that we went to. We went to such a small school that was so well-funded because of the timber industry. Our school had a lot more resources than a school of our size would normally have. And so we had the opportunity for, uh, you know, lots of extracurricular activities. Um, But as we went through school, you could start to see things start to go away. Home economics, which was always thought Mm -hmm. of as a girl's class, or shop right. class, which always was thought as a guy's class. Like, people should be taking those classes, not because a woman needs to learn how to cook or a guy needs to learn how to work on a car. Everyone should be learning these skills. Everyone should learn how to change a tire. Everyone should learn how to maybe sew a button on a on a shirt or, you know, balance your checkbook. One of the best skills I ever learned when I moved to Montana my senior year, I was in a U.S. government class. And the teacher was like, no one is going to teach you guys this stuff, so I'm going to teach you during this time. You're going to learn how to balance a checkbook, and you're going to learn how to do a 1040 EZ. He taught us how to balance a checkbook and do our taxes. Right. Because he knew that shit was important. Right. Coincidentally, that gentleman was uh, the Montana Teacher of the Year like three years in a row. Because he yeah. knew how to teach. Interesting. He knew how to teach. He knew how to reach kids. And it wasn't because he taught us that. It was because he made learning interesting. He would right. he would right. stage mock court. He would teach us about important Supreme Court decisions. That's the biggest disappointment I have about only going to that school one year is that I only got to have that teacher for one semester. Mr. Davidson. Yeah. He was amazing. Um, yeah, no. So this kind of went but, way down the rabbit hole in terms of education. Well, I was, I was just going to say, and to, to kind of maybe bring it back full circle, <laughs> I think what we're, what we see in education too, a lot of times is a pendulum, right? It swings extreme one way, extreme the other way. Right. And I think what we're seeing now, <clears throat> at least in my experiences across three different states, is the pendulum kind of coming back to a center, right? And trying to, 
we are trying to figure out like what do kids actually need? What can we offer kids so that they can be productive citizens? You know, um, a lot of the schools I, I worked on the reservation too. So there's a lot of issues that come with that as far as funding and different things and being the size that it was. And there's, but they were even trying to do similar things there the best that they could. But the districts that I've worked at in Colorado and then now here, we have community colleges close by or in the same town. And you can do dual enrollment credits. And whether that is in a college level math class, because that's what you choose to do, or you're taking a welding class at Ontario High School, for example, and you get a welding certificate from TVCC when you graduate high school, you're a certified welder. Right. You've taken all your tests, you've taken everything. And I think a lot of school districts are taking advantage of those things. And I think we're seeing that pendulum shift back to now kids are probably qualified for the workforce out of high school. Sure. Which is an awesome, which is an awesome thing. Which a hundred percent is, is, which a hundred percent is something that should happen because I feel like over the last like 25 years, we've gotten to this point where every kid should go to college. No, not every kid should go to college. Every mm-hmm. kid should have mm-hmm. the opportunity to go to college if that's the most beneficial path for them. Not every kid is going to be benefited by going somewhere and getting a four-year degree. Some people are, right. have an amazing aptitude for welding or you know any of those other certified like carpentry all these trade skills, which are, by the way, skills that a lot of job uh, are going away because so many people from the generation after us were told, oh, no, you don't you don't want to do that. You want to be you, – you need a four-year degree. You have to go get a four-year degree where right. a trade school would be much more beneficial. How, just look at, at our high school. How many, of, how many people in our high school would have been better off – to go to a trade school versus a regular four-year college. And, you know, it was probably it's, – it's just we can't assume that one size fits all for everything. Like not, right, every, right. not one single path is the right path for everyone. And we have to find a way to adapt so that we're finding the best, the best paths for as many people as possible. Some people are going to go to college – that you think would do great in college and they'll flame out and, you know, screw up and, you know, that's just going to happen. But to say that everyone should go to a four-year college, I think is just putting unfair expectations on a lot of kids. I I would agree. And I think that, that, like I said, I think with that swing back towards where we're at right now with people seeing the importance in trade schools and things, that um, and and now that you can come out of high school with a whatever a certificate and whatever and be employable instead of having to go out of the high school system and you have just a diploma and there's not a whole lot of opportunity right for that person right um, and then the, and then they're going to go pay money to get into the workforce essentially by doing whatever classes they need to do. So hopefully we're on that swing back in the right direction where we're going to start preparing our students for the workforce again. And I think we are, I think we're seeing that trend 
And it'll come in the form of these dual credit type classes where kids are getting certified in different areas that they're passionate in. I mean, working with students who, you know, they're amazing athletes, but they have a welding test at the college, for example, and they're willing to give up that contest to go take that test because that's the direction they know their life is going to go. Yeah. That's a tough decision for a 16, 17 year old kid to make, but it's a mature decision at the same time. For sure. And you can't fault them for, you can't fault them for making that decision at all. Are they letting their team down? Yeah. In the end, what, it, I mean, what does it really mean in the end? I don't know. You're sacrificing, you know, maybe a really great memory versus setting yourself up for, uh, you know, a much better life. Possibly. Or the possible, at least yeah. the possible, at least starting down the path where, you know, if you work hard and, and, you know, all these sorts of things happen. Um, right. I had a thought and then I, uh, lost it. Uh, what was I going to say? Damn it. Anyway, we went, uh, <laughs> we went way down the education rabbit hole, but I think it's important. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. I, I think it's really important that parents uh, stop telling that their kids that uh, they should be uh, YouTube famous or uh, Instagram influencers. Like, that shit's not real. Those aren't real jobs. That's like some shit that people invented. Like, there's like 12 of them that actually make right. real money. Like, you know, get, well, a, get a fucking real job. That's essentially the same thing as, as a kid thinking that they're just going to be able to go out and be an NBA player. Right. right? Or or NFL, like, yeah, I'm, that's my future. I'm going to be a rapper. Really? <laughs> like, you know, uh, first of all, you don't mumble, so that's impossible. Um, but the amount of time and energy it takes to break in and actually be th- at that level of whatever right. is thousands of millions of hours. Yep. Well, I mean, talk about people who I thought were going to have different career paths. Based on the uh, the couple of times that you drove me from Idana back to Mill City, I thought for sure you were going to be a race car driver. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I believe that was my response last time. <laughs> the, the, the benefit that you had was having me in the car created such downforce for those corners that we could really take them at high rates of speed to get where we needed yeah, to go. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. We uh, yeah. obviously we're we're trying to be, we're trying to keep this a little bit lighthearted. There's a lot of serious shit going on in the world. We all know that. Um, how what do you what do you feel has been the positive impact, if at all, uh, if any, and the negative impact of all of the networks constantly showing these uh coronavirus task force uh press conferences where trump will just stand up and blatantly uh tell lies half truths what he believes to be true in uh in contradiction of all available evidence um, <laughs> how do you feel like that impacts the society at large well and i think it's i think it's even more impactful now in this sort of environment, right, where people are told to basically stay home, right? Work from home when you can, that sort of thing. And so what do you do, you know, because we're, humans are, humans are, 
pretty lazy, I think. Like, if you're given the opportunity to just kind of take the day off, you just take the day off, right? I'll work, all or the, I'll work all the time. The night to get, or I'll work late into the night to get it done. Or like today, you know, like I probably have, if I would have just done my normal day, I would still be working and it's going on 4.30. So, or it would, I would probably go into about 4.30, quarter to five. Um, but I just hunkered down and got a lot of stuff done and focused and, and got it done. But, um, I mean, how easy it to, is it to have stuff just on in the background constantly? Right. Like right. you could have a news network on 24 seven right now and you'd be in front of it 24 seven and uh, people would get sucked into that. And that's, that's the, I guess the downside is that people are probably more so trusting their news source, whichever, whichever one that may be. Um, and I don't necessarily know if that's a good thing. Um, positives. Of constant news, I, I don't know if there is such a thing. Well, not so, <laughs> not not so much not so much the constant news, but I don't think I don't think anything good comes of constant news. My, what I'm curious about is what the effect of having the president of the United States go on TV either daily or every other day and have these press conferences where he is not really doing anything to educate people or manage expectations or have anything that seems to be based in reality while also building false narratives and attacking the media. Like I just feel like no good ends up coming from that because people the, the people that are at the extremes either way the the people that he can do no right or he can do no wrong are going to stay the same right. no matter what but there's a center pe- amount of people people that would normally not be watching because they would be at work or whatever that are seeing oh hey the president is going to have a press conference maybe we should see what's going on people that are scared like this is the first time in our lifetime where the person in the oval office wasn't someone who you look to in a national crisis to at least like hey you know what we've got this like i am yeah, i yeah, am yeah. staunchly against president trump i think that virtually everything he has done has been bad for this country i've been disappointed in so many things but i did not want him to fail in his leadership of this pandemic there is nothing I would have loved more than for him to come out and be reasoned, take the advice of experts, by for fuck's sake, listen to scientists. Like when did we <laughs> when did we come to a point in this world where the opinion of someone who has no expertise is taken over someone with decades of experience, track records of knowledge? Like why the fuck is this happening? And so I just feel like I wish that he had come out and done that. But the, he has no track record of leadership in terms of like building a coalition, building up, you know, any sort of, hey, we can do this together. It's so much about, hey, did you guys see what I did? Oh, hey, all these, look at all these CEOs that I know. Let's have them all talk. Meanwhile, 
I'm sure you remember this press conference from the Rose Garden a few weeks ago where he trotted out every CEO he could probably get on a plane and get to Washington that had any sort of affiliation with a big box store or a pharmaceutical company. By the way, all middle-aged white people because, you know, that's all that he's going to let talk anyway. I apologize. It's not fair to say 90% of the time. But... Almost all of those promises that people stood up and made in that press conference, none of them have come true. I saw a picture online of a Target that said, we are not a testing station because so many people were coming expecting these Target parking lot drive through testing facilities. He will, take, he will take something that he heard in a briefing and just say it as if by saying it into a microphone, then makes it happen. It's just not the world that we live in. And I feel like there are so many people that are either not well-versed in what's happening in terms of the impact of the health of the when you get infected with this virus, the people that w- don't ever really take the time to listen what's going on politically, people that are scared. Like, people just want some fucking reassur- reassurance that like the government who we so often have just blindly assumed will have our backs and will work, we just want that shit to be true. And now we're finding out that it's not the case. And we're two months in. And had they listened two months ago, we would be far better off than we are now. I just, it's so uh, frustrating. Yeah, yeah, no, I, well, and, and to, I think the model to really look at in, in uh in the world is south korea if you can if you can look at what south korea has done to quote unquote flatten the curve um they're the only country to do it (laughs) that i that i've seen at least and it's because they jumped on it right away they had a bunch of tests right away and you know they got people set up into the proper protocol and they've it's not that people in South Korea aren't getting the virus because they are, but they are able to handle it. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's the whole purpose behind the flatten the curve is to make sure your hospitals aren't overwhelmed and not to end up like Italy yeah. or New York. Cause that's, that's the whole um, misconception that so many people have had. This is not about people getting the virus. People are yeah, going to get, get the virus. <laughs> the point yeah, is exactly the way this hits If too many people get it all at the same time, it requires all of the same equipment. And it's not like hospitals. First of all, if you take all of the hospital beds that are available in America at any given time, not that are available, that exist, of those, only about 20% are available. There are people that have chronic conditions that are there for any other, you know, any number of reasons. So it's not like right. hospitals are just sitting around waiting for people to show up. So yeah, yeah. So many hospitals have finite number of finite uh, numbers of equipment. Obviously, we're finding out if you're paying attention at all. The the hospitals that are woefully underprepared in terms of protective gear, masks, all these sorts of things, and like 
that's why you have to that's why it was so important for people to stay home because if we can keep the number of people not the number of people that are infected but the number of people that get so sick that they have to be admitted to the hospital low enough for the ho- for the hospitals to take care of them and that's why so many people are dying now and why so many people are going to die in the next 2 weeks mark this down right now it's wednesday april 1st at 4:40 central time Two weeks from now, the number of people in this country that have passed away from this virus is going to be staggering. And then throw on top of that, it'd be interesting to find out. I don't know if you could get the data, but an interesting number would be how many people have died not coronavirus related because they couldn't get the care they needed at the hospital. Like throw that number on top. Like COVID adjacent deaths essentially right because it still has an effect yeah right and if i have a heart attack and there's nobody at the hospital to help me i die yep i i didn't have covid but because of covid i died i don't know interesting interesting food for thought there now that went down a deep dark tunnel yeah <laughs> maybe maybe you should have just kept talking about the education system you know what? I can bring this out. I can bring us out of this because I turned to uh, all my joggers on uh, my different social media platforms. Of course, you can follow uh, the podcast on Twitter at JogPod. You can follow me at Dustin P. Jones on Twitter. Of course, we're on Facebook. Um, if you want to follow Josh, I don't know. Josh, do you give out your personal? Uh, no, my no? social media is very light. I so, have a very uh, small social media footprint. I have a, uh, a, question, a question here from a gentleman named Josh Mink who uh, cl- uh, wants uh, us to go deep into all OSAA-related questions. Um, can you break down all the rules of governance for the Oregon State Athletic uh, Association? Yeah, no, that, that was, uh, yeah, no, I, I put that out there just because it's interesting. So this is what's crazy about that whole thing. So, of course, OSAA is following the guidelines and the guidance of the, the state, right, and the right. ODE. And we are no practices, no contests until April 28th when we, re, when we are scheduled to return. They had a meeting today to discuss it, and they'll have another meeting on the 15th of April, the exe- they being the OSAA uh, commissioners and executive board. We... We as ADs and schools probably won't hear any. We might hear something later tonight. I don't know, depending on what how today's meeting went. Uh, but I don't expect any real strong-handed ruling from the OSAA until maybe later in the month after they've really see after we see how this unfolds. Sure, because we could we could not return to school. I, I think that's a real possibility. I, I think there's a very need, strong possibility <clears throat> that people need to understand that we probably in this country. I think it's Kansas or Kentucky, one of the K's. I don't know. They've canceled school yep. for the remainder of the school year. New Mexico has canceled school for the remainder of the school year, and I think there's one other school, uh, one other state that's done so. Yeah, I would assume New York has got to be right behind them. Well, a lot of schools, um, of course. We're Oregon's different because Oregon goes to school. How late are you guys going into June now? Well, so we're a little different over here. We start mid-August. Oh, okay. So we're done by we're done by Labor Day or Labor, Memorial Day. Memorial Day. Okay. Memorial Day. Yeah. Um. So we're done in May. Gotcha. Right, right there at that weekend, we might go a couple days into June, but not really. 
So there's uh, a lot that of there's, that's unique. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of these Midwest uh, states are done. You know, before Memorial Day, some some schools are done. You know, the so if the if the quarantine basically is is in effect through April, you know, yeah. then there's no point in coming back to school for two weeks or whatever. Yeah. Right, right. Well, and and so a lot of the OSAA championships, baseball, softball, those sorts of things right. go into that first weekend of June. Right. Um, and so most schools on the west side of the state or most schools in Oregon do go into like the second week of June. Um, we're just a little unique here where we're at. Um, but it that's a real possibility. And um, we'll see what happens. I don't know. One one of the ripple effects that that we didn't didn't talk about was, you know, there there is a small number of of kids that would have the possibility of, you know, perhaps um, a spring sport vaulting them into you know perhaps a partial scholarship or a full scholarship to a college based yeah. on accomplishments that they may have had um, during this time. So like that is that has to be disappointing for a kid who's got a lot of talent or a kid who kind of was starting to show glimpses, but a, a school, you know, like a, an OSU or a, a, a Western Oregon or, you know, one of these smaller schools w- wanted to see what they would do this spring and then, and then make a decision, you know, Oh, Hey, we see, you know, we see this kid, you know, he could be breaking out and then he goes out and maybe has the, the kind of spring that changes his fortunes in terms of being offered something like that. So, there's there's a ton of like not just in education but you know there's a small number of kids that, that this could impact in that way as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And then <clears throat> think about the junior year being a pretty important year as well, right? Sure. That's when those numbers and those so that how many juniors out there are missing that opportunity and now their senior year is even that more stressful. Yep. Because they have to perform um at maybe under a little more pressure than maybe they normally would have. Sure. And it's not like, you know, I think some NCAA sports are going to allow seniors that didn't get to finish um, the opportunity to come back and, and have another year of eligibility, but that doesn't really work for high school because no high schooler wants to stick around in high school for another year just so they can play <laughs> baseball, you know? Like, yeah, no, I mean, maybe no. there would be a couple, but I don't know. Sure. I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's a handful. So let's, uh, let's go the ahead. reality is, the reality is you and I both know we were seniors and we wanted out fun, fun story, <laughs> fun story for you. I, you, you are a year ahead of me or are you two years ahead of me? Class of 96. Yeah. You're two years ahead of me. So you wouldn't, yeah. uh, you wouldn't maybe know this, but I moved to Montana in November of my senior year. Okay. We were supposed to move that summer. So I didn't go mm-hmm. out for football. Uh-huh. So I didn't play senior football at San Am. We right. moved to Montana, and I tried to get them to hold me back. I tried to come <laughs> in as a junior so that uh-huh. I could then play my senior. Because I was, I, was I was young for a senior anyway. I didn't turn 18 yeah. until the August after I graduated. So right. I was like, "Hey, I'm young for my age, but but the the thing that screwed me is you won't believe this, but the education standards in Oregon were so much higher that I only needed three classes 
over the <laughs> next three semesters to graduate based on Montana schools. They're like, there's no way that we can justify that for you. So I didn't play yeah, senior yeah. year of football. So I actually wanted to be held back my junior year right. in my senior year. Right, but right. Yeah. That would have been that would have been a fun story to tell. Yeah, I got held back my senior year. <laughs> but uh yeah, that didn't work out for me. <laughs> I was yeah, I was yeah. so focused, like I was ready, like I was gonna train. I was gonna spend the whole spring just getting ready. And nice. then uh I started drinking. But what are Hope, you gonna do? Hope's crushed. Hope's crushed. I took I took a job at the town pump. Start, wait, 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 wait. You started drinking in Montana? I, I didn't even I, really I, I didn't really even drink in Montana. Dude, I didn't drink that yeah. much in Mill City. <laughs> I can count. Okay. I can count. I can count on one hand the number of times I drank when I lived in Mill City. Okay, I, I wasn't. I wasn't. One of I wasn't up on Shepherds. <laughs> I wasn't up on Shepherds every weekend with you, fucking degenerates. I wasn't up there either. Uh, that was the Mill City crew. Not every weekend. Not every. Not every weekend. <laughs> uh, let's see. Were you there? Were you there the night that we had that party at someone's house where uh, we had to hide from the cops for three hours because they were parked across the street at the BP? No. So you remember when you come in, you come into town? I think. Well, I might have been. You would have already been graduated. So yeah. there was a party at whoever's house was across the street from the BP. Chris <laughs> Thorson, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Not to put anybody on blast, but someone's house. (laughs) One of those trailers that was catty corner from the BP as you come into town, there was a party there. At some point during the evening, the police showed up, but no one answered the door. There was a lot of cars parked in front of this trailer house, many more than would be (laughs) normal for just people visiting, especially at 2 in the morning. (laughs) <laughs> so we're all just like trying to be quiet and wait for the police to leave. They're just sitting across the way in the parking lot of the BP. They sat there till three in the morning. Oh, wow. Yeah, they First were dedicated. Day. They really wanted to get some of us. <laughs> so I was hanging out with, I was hanging out with OJ. And uh, who else was I hanging out with? Two, two girls. Maybe three girls. I don't remember who they were. I I think I probably do, but I won't say who it was. I don't want to get them in trouble. Their moms might be listening or something. I don't know. But so all we had to do was get back over uh, to the bottom of uh, uh, Gerard's Hill. But we went all the way to Lyons and came the back way just so we didn't drive through. Just so we didn't drive through nice. that way. Yeah, we were real committed. And uh, I think both yeah, of those girls yeah. ended up grounded for many weeks because they were they had snuck out. <laughs> <sighs> so, as I was saying, I uh, turned to my joggers and uh, asked them if they had any questions for us. And, of course, I can always count on my good friend Dana Wessel, who has this fantastic question. What is the ideal quarantine junk food and alcohol pairing? So I, I saw that post and I've been thinking about it. And I think I have the perfect answer. All right, let's because hear it. He, and this goes back to like the hoarding shopping, right? And the right. panic buying. People aren't buying like things that you would want to fill your cupboards with that are actually meaningful. Right. At least not here. I mean, toilet paper, sure. Cleaning supplies, whatever. But 
like flour. Like who fucking bakes? Um, uh, Nikki, what else? Nikki like, bakes. No... <laughs> I got I got scratch made peanut butter cookies yesterday, sir. <laughs> but yeah, okay, one person baked. Um, I mean, just stupid things that people are buying that doesn't make any sense. But there is the shelves are full of canned tuna fish. Okay. Right? Chock full of that. You would think you'd want to buy protein on the cheap. Um, there are, the shelves are full of mac and cheese. See where I'm going? Yep. <laughs> and the alcohol aisle is still full as shit. 100%. So I think the perp, I think the perfect quarantine snack is Coors Light, Mac and cheese with a can of tuna fish in the mac and cheese. Wow. I almost barfed. <laughs> you went real, you went real like apocalyptic with it. That was like, that's some, well, end of, that's I mean, some end make, of the, that's make, some end of the world shit right there. Hey, but that's how ridiculous this whole thing is, it's right? True. Is that it people really are is. panicking and they're buying the wrong stuff for panicking. That's my opinion. Maybe that's my Boy Scout in me saying, maybe you should buy some protein. Maybe you should buy some canned food. I don't know. You need some protein. You need some protein and some carbs. Gotta, you know, stay yeah. stay satisfied. Keep your belly satisfied so you're not rummaging. So you're not rummaging through the cupboards all day. Exactly. Exactly. I'll tell you what the perfect pairing is. It's a beer and an ice cold shot of Don Julio tequila. That's the only pairing that you need to get through this quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> that's all you need all right all right yeah yeah okay Touché. this Touché. comes this comes from a uh another dedicated listener to my podcast and a uh a uh, valued uh jog pod hall of famer a man who is bringing his podcast back very soon as well of course i'm talking about the one and only the host of the stark contrast podcast mr rod stark asked this question what do you think will be the bigger hindrance to success for the next generation, the trillions in debt we are adding to their national inheritance, or time spent being taught at home by parents without a proper education themselves? So this nicely ties in. Who, what is going to have the bigger effect going forward? The huge debt that we are leaving behind for children, or children that are being quote-unquote homeschooled by parents who probably are either working themselves or have no idea what they're doing. Wow, that's a that that's a deep one. Yeah, he's um, he's fucking thoughtful. I I was hoping for like I was hoping for some like, hey, uh, who's your favorite superhero? But this motherfucker wants yeah. us to go deep, so let's go deep. Yeah. All right. Um, I mean, so we did talk about this a little bit, you know, in our deep dive into education earlier. Right. Right. I. I mean, I think that. I think the debt, the national debt is inevitable. I think that we're never going to, we're never going to figure that one out. Yeah. That's just the reality of, of this country. Um, and so that was coming regardless. Um, it just might've came a lot quicker than, you know, we get, we're going to get to a, a, a mark that's so absurd quicker than normal. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think the but, one, I think the one thing that this crisis has proved is that, Money is not real. Like, it's just oh, some yeah, shit no. that's made up on a piece of paper. Like, Absolutely. and it always has been. Like, yeah. you know, everything yeah. is made up. But 
in terms of yeah, like yeah. $2 trillion. Like, okay, well, I'm gonna, <laughs> so you guys can't pay your bills. We can't pay any of this back. So I'm going to just tell my landlord that from now on, I'm going to pay you $3 for my rent because my my three dollars is equivalent to whatever this house whatever you think this house house is worth that's that's what that's that's the intrinsic value that I have placed on where I am living so right that's just the way it is unfortunately, right. real life doesn't work that way, and we will continue to take yeah. it in the behind <laughs> not that yeah. there's anything wrong with that sometimes that can be enjoyable you know with proper you know proper uh lubrication on a couple different levels allegedly <laughs> no nothing there's nothing alleged you need you need two different kinds of lubrication if you're gonna if that's gonna be enjoyable for all parties involved okay i will take your word on that sir hey if you don't know if you don't have any first-hand experience you're just letting the best in life pass you by my friend <laughs> the <laughs> okay <laughs> Moving on. Another another turn. Another turn. <laughs> Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. See, y'all thought with my little breaking news sound effects at the top that this was going to be some Walter Cronkite bullshit? No. Did, did Walter Cronkite ever talk about getting ass fucked? No, he did not. Just to just just and just to put it out there, I've never been the receiver. I've never been the receiver. I've never been the on the receiving end. I mean, at least not more than a knuckle. Nothing gay. <laughs> shout out ralphie man i miss you brother uh rod stark also asks on a brighter note what's your favorite spring break memory oh <laughs> yeah you want me to go first <laughs> i mean uh favorite favorite spring break memory is definitely college spring break when i was at eastern oregon university and we went to Puerto Varda. And right. when I say we, I'm talking about Spike Arney, oh, Jesus. Dustin Ramirez, Casey Budlong. Tobin, was Tobin there? Tobin Hansen might have been there. See, this well, the you would have is, needed someone to speak Spanish, so you should have taken Tobin. Well, no, we had Ricky Paz, who's from Nyssa, which is just down the road from me. Um, he was Dustin Ramirez's roommate. Gotcha. He went. Um, I mean, we, we had a... We had a 36-hour layover, I think, in L.A. So we got, you know, obviously we got a hotel. And we crammed eight of us, maybe ten, <laughs> into one hotel room. And um, it, we spent a ton of money on booze. I don't know how we got it. But we went into the airport the next day with fifths of booze. And this is all pre-9-11. Yep. So we go, we go through, and I remember the lady checking the bags she pulls out this half drink, half gallon of Southern comfort. And she goes, where are you guys headed? And we go, we're going to Mexico for spring break. And she goes, I need you to take a drink of this to show me it's not explosive. And <laughs> Ricky, Ricky pause takes the longest. I mean, we're talking Belushi style drag off of it. And she goes, have fun boys. And we were passing that around on the plane from LA to, <laughs> to, uh, Mazatlan and that's when it all started and then we were there for five or six days and um I was so hung I've never been so hung over on a plane ride in my life that was a good time 
that was that, a good time. I'm, I'm, I'm now now I'm sad that you went first because my favorite spring break memory is the time that um, my aunt took myself, my cousin Andrew, and my sister on a lovely uh, drive down the Pacific Coast Highway down to San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds way that's, better. That's 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 really all I got. We did actually end up in Reno though, yeah, which was fun. That's, that's, I mean, yeah. I was like. 12 so circus circus you're Cir- gonna circus circus you're gonna was like the bomb. this little oh yeah circus circus was cool um you're gonna love this little add-on so you know how our friend and we both love spike spike arnie to death and you you know how he is a very frugal man so it most establishments in uh in mazatlan anywhere in Mexico, you buy a beer, you get a, you get, um, you get chips and salsa, right? Right. And that's all free. And Spike would come down and we'd be, we'd have our eggs or whatever for breakfast and we'd be drinking and Spike would eat two of his three meals a day would be chips and salsa and just had them (laughs) all the time. That's more money for booze resourceful resourceful well it, here's the thing is you pay to get into those clubs down there it's like 10 buck cover charge at the time is all you could drink and oh, half Lord. the time at half those clubs if you were the first like 50 people in line you got a free sip of tequila oh jesus and so then you just sit there so all of us were all trying to we're all trying to get to these clubs before whatever and we're all standing in line with fists of tequila just getting smashed before you even go in for the all you can drink experience and uh, yeah, no, that was. Yeah, it's probably time. a good thing that I never went to Mexico for spring break. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Okay, here's a good one. My uh, my friend Serena asks, "What's one of the most important or useful skills you're thankful your parents taught you?" Basically, what did you think? What do you think I should make sure to teach my kids during this time? So what's something or a couple of things that you learned from your parents um, that uh, that you would definitely want to pass on, especially in, in a time like this where a lot of parents are having a lot of uh, additional one-on-one time with uh, with their kids? Mm. That's a good question. Um, I think I think social responsibility is what I would say. And, and that circles back around to how people react during these times. So if we can teach kids to respect like social distancing when they're at the stores and, and, you know, cause obviously unless like we talked about how many households are single parents, those parents are dragging those kids with them to these stores when they have to go shopping and, and things like that, even though they may not want to, or maybe the other parents at work cause they are, you know, they don't work from home or what, whatnot. I, I think um, those sort of social cues, I think are probably the most important. And that's probably the counselor in me coming out sure. and trying to, and trying to think about um, acts of kindness, right? Yep. Like what can you do? What can you do right now to, to tell people that you're thinking about them or that you are, you know, we're still connected in some way. Sure. I guess that would be it social responsibility, kindness, and trying to keep a sense of connectedness. Yeah. I think, I think one of the most important lessons that I learned from my parents was, was to be respectful of everyone else. Like, right. 
like this is the perfect opportunity to have conversations with your kids about what scares them and hmm. to have an open and honest dialogue with your kids. I think, and this is not something that my parents necessarily taught me, but something that I've now recognized as I've moved on in my life. And it's something that I kind of maybe wish was a little bit different. My parents tended to keep things away from me a little bit more. But I think now, I think kids are seeing a little bit too much from their parents. Like maybe find, maybe work to find the balance between making sure that your kid is being a kid, but also that they are understanding that everyone is required to be responsible for their actions. Like, I feel like there's a lot of people that are, are now living in a world where, and this unfortunately goes back to, and not, it's not just Trump. It's a lot of politics in general. A lot of people see what happens on TV, whether it be continually not telling the truth or, being crude to one another or any number of things that those actions don't have consequences, but in the real world, they do. Like, I think that could be huge. And I think my parents did instill that in me is that, you know, it's action and reaction. Like if you do something, you know, that's going to have consequences and it's important that kids understand this. And, uh, you, I think you said it perfectly. Like, teach your kids how important it is to do things for others, and be nice to each other. You know, right? Mm-hmm. My sister. Well, and that and just I, comes down. That just comes down to respect. Yeah. Like I mean, like you were saying. One thing. One thing that I wish that my grandpa hadn't taught me was uh, to be seen and not heard. Um, although, <laughs> although in some cases, I, I, in in some ways, I kind of wish I had not follow that so strictly, but there are plenty of people I see out in the world now that I wish would adhere to that a little bit more. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) But yeah, Yeah. teach, teach your kid, uh, teach your kids that, uh, it's better to do something for someone else than to do something for themselves. Uh, Absolutely. All right. And get creative with it. For get sure. creative with it. And it's not necessarily about giving them something. Like you don't have to buy no. someone a gift or like just like t- send it like fucking send a note. Like send it to like everyone's text messages. Like whatever, that's fine. But like tell someone how important they are to you. Like if someone has had an impact on your life, you know, thanks for hey, I really appreciate it. Thanks for being there for me that time. You know, we talked, whatever. And I know Serena's kids are younger, so that that may not be as helpful. But instilling, it it all comes down to respect in the end. Right. And then just, um, I think, especially now, you just got to get creative with it, right? Because, okay, well, how do I I tell somebody I'm thinking about them or, or different things? And we're in like this weird thing. Tomorrow afternoon, I have a Zoom meeting with friends of mine in Colorado we are going to lay out the rules and have a conversation of how we can have a virtual cornhole game this weekend. Wow. There you go. <laughs> yeah. And I haven't talked to those guys since I moved from Colorado. Right. And so then this whole thing, maybe it's boredom. I don't know, but we, we need to, we need to reconnect 
with each other somehow. And maybe that'll be the silver lining of this. People will understand how important um, human interaction actually is. If I'm, done well. Another friend of the show and a <laughs> friend of ours, a, a fellow member of the Canyon, <laughs> a, 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 uh, a fellow member of the, the fraternity of teachers and educators, and a, a man that is uh, currently back uh, at good old Sandy M High School. Uh, Donnie Hernison chimes in. Um, have you seen Tiger King? <laughs> I watched ten minutes of it, and it's so <laughs> retarded. And I hey, don't you use can't that say that loosely. word anymore. <laughs> don't this is a liberal show. We don't loosely. use those words. <laughs> that show, like, oh. Don't get just, yeah. Don't get started. So yes, you've and seen, I've only seen ten minutes of it. You've seen ten more so minutes of it than no. I have. So the answer is really no. Gotcha. <laughs> Nikki, Nikki has seen it. Has said that I need to watch it. I've heard others, several other people tell me I need to watch it. So who knows? Now maybe. here's a question. Yes. Sir. So the you were in Oklahoma. He's in Oklahoma. <laughs> have you ever been to the Tiger King? lair or whatever it is (laughs) i was never i was never invited i never made my way to see the tiger king um had i known that it was there maybe i would have but i don't know okay this is this is appropriate given the day that it is of course it's april 1st best april fool's joke you saw oh he says today honestly i haven't seen hardly any april fool's jokes i think the world that we're living in so much is so indistinguishable from an april fool's day joke i think people are just not doing them and also don't realize what day of the month it is (laughs) well yeah i mean that i think there's a lot of and what do you do you pull a prank on yourself Uh, do you have do you have an all-time do you have an all-time april fool's joke that you remember an all-time april fool's joke i don't know i mean i'm sure i did some horrible things to my brother and it may or may not have been on april fool's (laughs) (laughs) all right he also wants to know joe biden or bernie sanders like who do I think will win, or who do I like? It's, it's unclear. He just says Joe or Bernie. I gotta say, like honestly, I'm a Bernie guy. I've always liked Bernie. I think Bernie's got a lot of really good ideas. Um, I mean, we are certainly seeing why it would be important for all of us to have fucking healthcare right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's got to be just kind of dancing a little bit of a jig. Which, by like, the way, all, which by the way, all my liberal so Democrat jig. friends. Joe Biden not in favor of Medicare for all. Just so, just to put that out there. I know a lot of people think that. Um, I, I I try to stay out of it. I've got my political views, but I do like Bernie. I don't know if anyone's going to beat Trump. That's the reality. Well, I mean, that's the but, sad. That's the other dark tunnel that we could go down. <laughs> we could be into eight years of Back to the Future too. Lord. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> fucking Biff Tannen running our fucking country. Oh, man. All right. Well, I think that's uh well no, Kylie Kylie Stevens uh asks are are you have you gotten into any sort of games that you're playing? Uh any sort of card games that you're playing? Any sort of board games? Are you doing puzzles? What are you doing other than 
watching TV and drinking to pass the time? So I, I have a lot of other hobbies. Um, I reload my own ammunition, which is perfect for a zombie apocalypse. Very Ontario uh, I, tie, <laughs> I tie my own flies. I've been tying a lot of flies. Um, I am trying to learn how to play the guitar, nice. um, which I've given up on about 18 times. <laughs> um in the last week. <laughs> I can't ever get the strum- and, I can never get the strumming down. Yeah, I just I don't know, it's an interesting machine that I just don't understand. Um honestly, I I've still got a lot of work to do. Um and so I do a lot of work. My garage is pretty clean. I don't know, I don't like sitting still, so that's really hard for me to even sit and watch TV. The one thing I will sit and watch and a shameless plug for those of you that have not seen the show on Hulu is I will sit and binge watch Leonard Kinney like it's nobody's business. But even binge watching is like three episodes for me. Right. And then I'm like, oh, I got to find something else to do. <laughs> see, kids, I'm just not a see, sit, I'm see, just not a sit around guy. See, kids, this what ha- this is what happens when you grew up in the canyon. There wasn't <laughs> sitting around for hours at a time. No, like, not at all. I don't think I had I don't think I had cable until I was in like the seventh grade. <laughs> yeah, and I mean you had to do something while the VHS yeah. was rewinding. Exactly. <laughs> well, Mister Mink, I uh, think that uh, maybe we'll wrap it up here. We've uh, we've kept the people listening for an hour and fifteen minutes. We could go on for hours more. It's not like we don't have the time, but. We want to we want to keep the people wanting more, and there will be more of the COVID chronicles. I I may bump up the number of episodes I pump out a week because I don't really have anything better to do. <laughs> and I've been I've been saying to myself that I don't really have anything to say, and clearly based on the last hour and fourteen minutes, I do have things to say. So, <laughs> anything? Uh, any any final thoughts that you want to share with the people? Here here's one. When Right now, every, the, we're we're told April thirtieth is when the uh, suggested quarantine time uh, expires. Over uh, uh, how long past that date do you think it'll be that it really happens? I think we're into June. In reality, yeah, I think we're going to be somewhere into June. <clears throat> is my guess. Yeah, I. Uh, I would say the, the for me the realistic over under is June fifteenth. And I think that's an optimistic. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an optimist, and so I think that uh, June is optimistic uh, thinking. But can I just tell you we'll one see thing? Where it goes. Just one one thing. I'm a Leo. That means that my birthday is very fucking important to me. My birthday <laughs> is on August eleventh. It's a big birthday this year. I turned forty this year. First of all, can you? First of all, four. how the fuck? Oh. Are, how are we this old? By the way, you sig- oh. you significantly older than me. Yeah, by a year and a half. Yeah, <laughs> I I turned forty. This Actually, year. almost two years. I'll be forty-two in September. There you go. Oh. <laughs> I I turned forty. I need this shit to go away because I had a big party weekend planned, and people planning oh, on yeah. flying in. All kinds of good shenanigans. I don't want to socially distance 
for my birthday. If we have to, if, as long as we can get the travel lifted and people can fly in, I mean, I guess we'll find a way to stay six feet apart. But if this fucks up my 40th birthday, I'm gonna, <laughs> I, I, we're going to have some serious problems. I'm sorry that a lot yeah. of I'm very from the like honestly from the bottom of my heart I'm very sad and depressed and hurt that people are going to die but if this fucks up my birthday that'll be the real tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> and with that if you weren't sure before understandable. If you weren't sure if you weren't sure before you're sure now this definitely is not a Walter Cronkite-esque breaking news any sort of thing. But uh, if if you don't, besides, I don't even know if people are listening to know who Walter Cronkite is. But if you don't, legend in the broadcasting world, very important. Yeah. YouTube, you got time on your hands. Go go find out. Absolutely. Anything else that you want to share with the people? Anything you want to get off your chest? Anything that uh, anything that you wanted to tell me? Any you know anything? The floor is yours. Well, I think I think the big one just in all this, and I kind of alluded to it before with um, you know this zoom meeting that i'm having that's actually hilarious um is i guess just be super creative right try to reconnect everybody's everybody's trying to isolate which i guess is okay but try to reconnect with each other in some sort of unique and fascinating way there's lots of free ways to do it everybody's got cameras on their phones and different things like that. It's not that hard to actually have face-to-face interactions. So that'd be my advice to everybody is go about your day. Um, but try to connect with, with somebody and maybe you reconnect with somebody you haven't talked to in a long time. I think that was kind of how this happened. You and I haven't talked for quite a while, Dustin. And I reached out and I said, Hey, I'm bored. Let's do this. For and sure. It was kind of self-serving, self-serving cause I was bored. But at the same time, it's like the the silver lining is maybe we can actually reconnect with people um, through all this chaos. Exactly, because social distancing is about physical distance, but that doesn't mean that you can't connect with people uh, emotionally and you know psychologically. You know, we have we have the as big as as big as our world is. There's we've never lived at a point where we were more connected. So even though we're physically far apart from each other whether it's at least six feet or 60 miles or 6,000 miles, you never know what, uh, what might happen. And when I, uh, when I gave my sister's eulogy a year ago, I implored people to fix what's broken, reach out to someone that you may have lost connection with or someone that you regret, um, an incident that you may have had, uh, a falling out that you had, if there's a chance to fix it, give yourself that opportunity because there was a long time where my sister and I didn't get along. And I'm very, very thankful that the last few years, um, all that went away and we were able to, to reconnect. And we, we had uh, so much better of a relationship the last few years because it sucks that it was only the last few years because I think both of us thought that we had a lot longer than that. So, um, losing losing my sister a year ago going through this crisis now it's never been more apparent that uh we only get one trip um unless you believe in reincarnation we only we only get one we only get one go on uh on this horse so uh make the most of it and uh yeah take some time clearly you fucking have the time 
put you can you can miss you can you can not watch one of the seven episodes of Tiger King and fire off that text message to someone that uh, you wish you were closer with. Maybe they won't reciprocate, and you have to be okay with that because obviously it takes both people. But uh, you have the time, use it wisely. I feel like we've used the last hour and twenty minutes wisely. I hope that people that have listened to this felt that it was worth their time. Josh, I appreciate you uh, joining me, and this will uh, this will happen again soon. Uh, thanks, Dustin. I appreciate it. All right, everyone. It was a lot of fun, as always. A lot of fun. Thank you, everyone, for taking the time to listen. I appreciate you taking a little bit of your time to listen to a little bit of our ramblings. Stay safe. For God's sakes, wash your fucking hands.